Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Relationship Radio. My name is Jason. I am the audiovisual production coordinator here at Marriage Helper, and this season has absolutely flown by. So we thought it would be a great idea to give you a mid-season recap of all of the highlights of season four. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Relationship Radio. But for now, enjoy this mid-season recap. But what if one spouse really is just paranoid? Mm-hmm. Well, the thing I would add about this is it's, I believe it's best and healthiest that a couple agrees on these things early on in their relationship. Oh, yeah. You don't wait until the suspicion comes or the trust breaks. You make the rules of how are we going to handle other or opposite sex relationships and what and what does that look like? And then being very open with each other if you've been hit on or mm-hmm. you feel like inappropriate text may have like a flirty text may have happened, all of those kinds of things. So, for example, with Rob and I, we have unfiltered access to each other's phones, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He can see any text conversation I'm having with anyone or email or whatever at any given time. And and furthermore, if I even feel like something was said to me or I said to someone and I'm like, I don't even know, like, did that come across the wrong way? I proactively show him. I'm like, look, Good. here it is. Like, I Excellent. want you to be in the open. But that's how we've been from day one. Day one. Mm-hmm. And and so having that kind of communication and expectations on the front end is way better than having yeah, to yeah. having to deal with all of it in the middle of hurt feelings as well. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you have to deal with sometimes it. Sometimes you have to. In the middle of hurt feelings. Absolutely. So Kimberly, let me ask you this. What do you think is enticing about it at the outset? Mm, yeah, what's enticing about it is it's going to bring some of that new that newness into back into the relationship. So actually, when we look at the beginning of relationships, many times you have talked about limerence, mm-hmm. right? We know that when limerence happens, there's a high dopamine response in our brains. Mm-hmm. It's, and dopamine is the anticipation chemical. It's mm-hmm. not really the pleasure chemical, although people sometimes call it that. It's the anticipation of pleasure chemical. And so we chase that in a new relationship. Well, once we get married and kind of settled in, it becomes those here and now chemicals, so to say, that take over, which is not going to have that same excitement factor, that same anticipation factor, because now I know my husband, right? Like I know how he is and all of his quirks and all of his good things and bad. And there's no longer the anticipation. So when we look at the draw of this open marriage, it's this anticipation of, well, what's it going to be like? Who are the people that are that we could do this with? How does it open our world? Kind of the world is our oyster. Um, but the thing about dopamine and it being the anticipation chemical is it doesn't always mean that you're doing the good things that you want when the things that dopamine drives you to do are not always the best things for you. 
a final end note that I would give is, especially for dads, because that's the research that that mm-hmm. I have seen, yeah. is one year after a divorce occurs, specifically in this research, 25% of fathers are absent in their children's lives. They have little to nothing to do with their children. And that number grows up to 50% over time. 50%. And that's why it's so important that when you're having these conversations and saying the things that you promise to do, you have to do it because otherwise it starts a perpetual cycle of hurt and heartbreak in these children's lives. And they don't deserve it. No, they don't deserve it. They don't. No one wants to have this conversation, but whether you want the divorce or not, it's a consequence of it. People should actually be living by some kind of a budget and the ones that do, Mm-hmm. They work out the budget together. It's still a problem, in my opinion, if one of them walks in and tells the other, "Right, this is the budget you're going to live by." Exactly, because there's no compromise in that. Mm-hmm. But if they can work it out together, mm-hmm. this is what we have to do. And sometimes you have to actually go without some things. Mm-hmm. And I have seen couples where that that can be a problem because it's like, but but my friend gets to buy that. Why mm-hmm. don't I? That friend over there gets to have that. Why can't I? Mm-hmm. It really comes down to whether you value the relationship yep. or your desires, mm-hmm. which one is the most important. But it really comes down to respecting the other person and, and trying to accept them even when they don't see things the same way you do. And we're talking about that not for salvation, but for relationships, mm-hmm. for a husband and a wife, for example, parents mm-hmm. and children. Mm-hmm. But the key of it is it really is all about the relationships because no matter how much you may want the other person to agree with you or your religion for whatever motives that you have behind that, if it, if they feel controlled by it, it's only going to push them further away. That's correct. So loving them is, is major, whether they ever come to believe it or not. Back when we were younger and and newly married, it would have been, this is what I believe and it's right and you need to come to my side of the table and, you know, and now we're both much more, yeah, I can see it your way, but here's why why I see it my way. And, but there's trust there. There's trust that even though I may not agree with him, I can respect his reason for believing things that way and trust him to hold my well, here's how I'm going to say it, and it'll make sense to some of our listeners, and we can expand a little bit. Because when I share my beliefs and values with him, I'm sharing some of the deepest parts of who I am. I'm giving him bricks. And if and he doesn't throw those back at me. He doesn't share them with other people. He takes these, these things, and he just cherishes them. Whereas there's been, I mean, clearly he's my only husband, but there's been other people in my life where I'll share, you know, this is what I believe about this. And then they say things like, so do you not trust God Hmm. or how could you, and they just start attacking my character Mm -hmm. because of something completely unrelated. And that's where there comes anxiety or shame or like. Am, am I a bad person because I believe this one thing, but they've just equated it to like my morals. And, um, and that's, what's not good. That's, what's not healthy. What's healthy is for someone to be able to sit with you and understand why is that important to you? Because there has been a change at home and typically this change is at best 
going to keep the child in their same house except the removal of one of the parents, which is still traumatic. Mm -hmm. But at worst, they're moving maybe into worse living conditions than Mm -hmm. before, don't have the same access to materials, tutoring, things like that, that the child needed as before. That that's the spectrum of this. But regardless of where it is on the spectrum, we see across the board that children are more likely to struggle with their grades. They're more likely to be held back or um, or even experience issues in school and not just behavioral issues, although that's part of it, but even just learning issues where they're not able to concentrate as more, they're more likely to struggle with ADHD. We also see that they tend, this isn't just for school, but children tend to have an increase in hostile behaviors or an increase in anxiety. And it tends to show up differently in males and females. So males are typically going to be more angry, more hostile in their Mm -hmm. behavior, acting out in that way. Whereas girls are more likely to suffer from anxiety. If Mm -hmm. um, if they're around the age of 14 to 16, they're more likely to become sexually promiscuous Mm -hmm. when this has all happened. And again, just go back to the core. It's because there has been been an upheaval of their normal circumstances. And many times the kids aren't getting the attention that they used to get from either parent. Well, how does a marriage end? It ends because one person doesn't feel respected or loved or liked. So it's really not easy No, (laughs) it's not easy at all. No, it's not easy. And that is something we will talk about in a future episode where we talk about marriage myths, right? Marriage is not necessarily easy. It takes work, but that's why it is the most important earthly relationship because it takes work. If Mm -hmm. it came easy, we probably wouldn't appreciate it as much, invest in it as much, all of those things. It takes intentionality. Mm-hmm. And it, it takes a level of equality. It's called egalitarian marriages, which means that if one feels the other is acting or believing that they are superior, this doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Recently worked with a couple where he said, uh, you know, the wife's just supposed to obey her husband. And she's like, you know, I'm, I'm happy for you to be the head of the house. That's mm-hmm. fine with me, but I am not your slave. I'm not your child. And you'll have to treat me as if I'm an equal. And he had been brought up in a home where that didn't happen. And so his expectation was, you're subservient, I'm the boss. In that situation, how do you think she felt? Unloved, disliked, disrespected? Which of the three? All of the above. (laughs) But probably disrespect more than anything. Because Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, she doesn't have a voice. Mm -hmm. And what do you do when you feel like you can't speak for yourself or when you do, you're not heard? Mm-hmm. You feel like you're out of control of everything. We both quote Carl Rogers, some a great philosopher slash psychologist dead for some time now. And he said, when I accept myself as I am, I change. And when I accept others as they are, they change, which means this. If I feel I have to change for you to accept me, to accept the reality, then I'm looking at being conditionally loved. But if you can accept me as I am, now I'm free to change. Because if I feel like I have to change to get you to accept me, which is the heart of love, if I feel I have to change to get you to accept me, either I'm going to reject the change or I'm going to do it and resent the fact that I did it. And so can you accept me as I am? Now, if you can, now I have the freedom to change because it's not to earn your love, although it may be in response to your love. 
Am I making that sound too philosophical? No, no. But let's give some examples. Okay. And also, I want to make sure that the listeners caught, you said this super quick, acceptance is the heart of love. Mm-hmm. Because, because intimacy. Mm-hmm. Intimacy says, into me, see. I can trust you by telling you what I feel, what I think, what I believe. I can even trust you by telling you what I do. Even if I know you're not going to like any of those things, I know that you're not going to throw me out the door. I know that you're going to accept the fact that that's who I am right now. It may not make you happy. As a matter of fact, you may hope that I change because it's in such contradiction to you, but you can accept that that's where I am now. And you know, I've heard a lot of people debate too in the past. Well, why do you need the certificate? Why do you need to actually go through with a legal ceremony if it's just for the government? <laughs> right. And I would argue that if there's if if there's a couple that's unwilling to go through the actual process of making it public and and doing all of the things to actually intertwine their finances, their lives, all of those things, then they're not actually as committed as they may say they are. There's something holding them back. I would agree. That's exactly right. And and if you're married, any couple, I don't care who they are, on some days it's not going to go well. Yeah. And if I'm committed, like through marriage, and I think I might want to leave, well, there's a lot I've got to think about here because right. of all the, all the intertwining that comes from marriage, legalities, finances, et cetera. Whereas if we're just living together, eh, I can get them walk out the door. You always have an easy out. Mm -hmm. Easier. Easier out. That's right. So your sister, Joanna, went with me once when I spoke at a youth thing. Oh, this was a hundred years ago over in Washington state. And so we went to this thing and I was speaking to all these teenagers and Joanna had flown out there with me and the youth ministers um, and youth ministers can be actually tough. They had gotten this uh, this gray duct tape. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? This duct tape. And they got three boys up on the stage that had hairy arms. And they put that duct tape around the first boy's arm. And they said, that's what it's like when you become one. So what is it like when you lose that? And they ripped that off that boy. He screamed. And, and they hold up this thing and little hairs are hanging out of it. So they had to catch the second boy. <laughs> and then they finally put it around him. And he didn't hurt much at all. And they couldn't make it stick. On the third boy. Oh, because they used the same piece same of duct tape. Piece. And they said, you can't be one with everybody. Mm. And I thought, you know, kind of tough on the boys for the illustration, but it makes sense. If sex is just sex, you're missing out on a lot. I mean, a whole lot. If it's really two people joining themselves together as one, where it's an emotional experience, a spiritual experience, a mental experience, then it's as it was designed to be. Another marriage myth is once a cheater, always a cheater. And this one is rampant. Yeah. We've actually had people get angry with us, even say nasty things about us, sometimes just attack us verbally because of the fact that we'll help a marriage when one spouse has had an affair, has cheated. We'll help them work out the situation, put it back together and save their marriage. And we've been told you are bad if you do that because mm. once a cheater, so what's the response to that? The response to that is it's not true. Once a cheater, always a cheater. There's many different reasons that a person can end up having an affair. And each of those reasons should be dealt with differently. But a person can change their behaviors 
fix their relationship, their marriage, and have a strong and healthy relationship and marriage. I need to say that. Have a strong and healthy marriage going forward and not ever have an affair again. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode of Relationship Radio. For more information or resources for your specific situation, please visit marriagehelper.com. We exist to save marriages and strengthen families. We'll see you again next week.